Corinthians chapter number 3, verse number 4. 2 Corinthians chapter number 3, verses number 4. We're going to read that down to verse number 11. Second Corinthians chapter number 3, verse 4 through verse 11. Then we're going to go to Ephesians chapter 1. Read a couple of verses there. And then we're going to let you take your seat. Second Corinthians chapter number 3, verse number 4. When you get there, say amen. amen. And such trust have we through Christ to God, what? Not that we are sufficient of ourselves to think anything as of ourselves, but our sufficiency is of God who also has made us able ministers of the New Testament, not of the letter, but of the Spirit. For the letter killeth, but the Spirit giveth life. But if the ministration of, the, of death, written and engraved in stone, was glorious, so that the children of Israel could not steadfastly behold the face of Moses, for the glory of his countenance, whose glory was to be done away, how shall not the ministration of the Spirit be rather glorious? For if the ministration of condemnation be glory, much more does the ministration of righteousness exceed in glory. For even that which was made glorious had no glory in this respect by reason of the glory that excelled. For if that which was done away was glorious, much more that which remaineth is glorious. All right, now we're going to go to uh, Ephesians chapter 1 where we're going to be talking about the day, and that's verse 19, from the book of Ephesians, chapter 1, and verse number 19. We're only going to read verse 19 and 20, and then you can take your seat. Ephesians, chapter 1, and verse 19, we're going to be a minister on that first line. What is the exceeding greatness of his power? That's what we're going to be talking about. But let's read that together, verse 19 and 20. And what is the exceeding greatness of his power to us who believe according to the working of his mighty power, which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand in the heavenly places. You may be seated. Now, let's pray. Father, we give you all the praise and the glory. Thank you for your son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. We thank you for his death, his burial, and his resurrection. We give you all the praise and the glory and the honor. Now we ask your leadership and guidance by your Holy Spirit. Teach us. Help us understand the new covenant. We give you all the praise and all the glory. We know the new covenant had been revealed to the Apostle Paul. So we're going to need your Holy Ghost to teach us what has already been revealed. Now we bless you and we praise you and we appreciate you so dearly. And our Lord, I know we always say how much we love you. But in the new covenant, it's not our love that means everything. It's your love to us. So thank you for loving us. In the blessed name of our Lord Jesus, all that agree with that prayer say amen. amen. All right, now we're going to be talking about what is Ephesians chapter number 1 and verse number 19. Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 19. What is, say that with me, what is the exceeding riches, the exceeding greatness of his power? Say that with me. What is the exceeding greatness of his power? 
Right. So, in this teaching, we are putting a lot of emphasis on his power. We've talked about a whole lot of things in this teaching. Uh, as a matter of fact, we, we are, we got one more, this is the last teaching. And in this last teaching we're doing, I don't know where my next destiny is. We've been talking about this all the way through, uh, I'm going to say 48 tapes. So that's how much you got to get in the storehouse to catch up with us. So we hope you're able to do that. But today, I just want to give you enough to wet your whistle. I want you to leave out here today licking your lips. Oh my God. You know, I, you know how it is when you've been to a, a good steakhouse? And you just can't forget. Sometimes you take a toothpick trying to, and nothing in there. You just remember him. <laughs> that word, this word is just that good. So, amen. Give God his praise. Amen. So what I want to do today is, I don't want to take anything from the word because it's the word is why, why I'm here. Amen. Thank God for Pastor Crump. Thank God for all the praises. Thank God for all of you. But I'm here for one reason, and that's the word. I got to have the word of God in my life. Amen. All right. Now, we're going to be talking about what is the exceeding the greatness of his power. Now, all of these other teachings we've done, we just got through talking about in Ephesians chapter number one. And Paul, this is Apostle Paul prayed, but it's the Holy Ghost desire. It's the Holy Ghost prayer through the Apostle Paul. Verse 15 says, wherefore I also, we're going to go back to verse 15, Ephesians 1, 15. Wherefore I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Now he's talking about after I heard of your faith in Christ, after I heard that you were saved, your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, and your love unto all saints. After I heard that, then he's going to say in verse number 16, he says, I cease not to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers. And this, this is what, the Holy Ghost prayed for us, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, through the Apostle Paul, of course, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom. So we did a short one, uh, uh, six tapes on uh, teaching us about what God gave us. He gave us the spirit of wisdom, then he gave us the revelation and knowledge of him, and then he gave, and then he prayed the eyes of our understanding being enlightened. So we talk about that in one, one series, alone that's good by itself. But in that series, when he prayed the eyes of our understanding being enlightened, it was so we could know. Now, I want you to go back this morning to Ephesians 1.17 and do that in the Living Bible. We downloaded that this morning, so I think we're okay. Ephesians 1.17 told us about what to expect in Paul's writing. Ephesians 1:17. we just got the reading. It said that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give us the spirit of wisdom and revelation and knowledge of him. What is that saying in, in, in our terms? The spirit of wisdom. I taught on the spirit of wisdom. Then I also taught on the revelation and knowledge of him. So God wants us to know, number one, about, about Christ. That's number one, Ephesians 1, uh, 17. And uh, this, is in, this is in the Living Bible. It says, I have never stopped thanking God for you. I pray for you constantly, asking God, the glorious Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, 
watch this, to give you wisdom to see clearly, and here we go, really understand, number one, who Christ is. Somebody said who Christ is. So the first thing Paul's teaching is that you will know who Christ is. Number two, remember the conjunction means we get ready to add something to that, right? And uh, I had it go back to it. And all that he has done for you. Who Christ is, say who Christ is. And all that he's done for you. See, so the New Testament is not in the uh, present tense. The New Testament is in the past tense. Let me show you something that you might not have uh, seen before. I'll let one of you find this for me. In the book of Revelation, when the, when, when the Lord Jesus Christ wrote, uh, he wrote three dimensions, and then he told them who he is. He says that I am, I was, and I am to come, the Almighty. He that is and was and is to come, the Almighty. And so you have to understand that God gave us himself in three tenths. Now, you are learning the word of God in the past tense. You got a lot of people trying to teach you future tense. Future tense is prophecy. Future tense is what? Is prophecy. Now, watch what it says in Revelation 1.8. I am Alpha and Omega. Now, that means I am the beginning and the end. It's the same Alpha in Hebrew is beginning, Omega, ending. I'm Alpha and Omega. Then he's going to tell you I'm the beginning and the ending. Then he's going to say, say the Lord, which is? So this Bible is broken down in three tenths. You got to know what tense yours is. Which is, which was, and which is to come, the Almighty. Now there are people going to church waiting for the Lord to come. Because when he talked to the church, when he talked in the book of Revelation, he told you all three tenths. Let's show you something. The New Testament is in the past tense. The Bible is finished. Most people are, are trying to operate in the Word of God in, in the present tense. Let me, go, let me go all the way back to Luke 16, 16 first. We're going to get to our message in a moment. In Luke 16, 16, because there are tremendous amount of people who do not know the Word of God and confused my life for many years until I got the revelation of the mystery myself from the Holy Spirit. That's why I love the Holy Spirit. More he loves me. Now in Luke 16, 16, it says, the law and the prophets, do you have to understand what you're seeing here? The law and the prophets were, past tense, unto John. Say the law and the prophets were unto John. So that means once John came, the law and the prophet was over. It just said it were. Words past tense. So the law and the prophets were to John since that time. So at that time, that's why Jesus Christ told them to, to repent, have a mind changed because a new kingdom has come. So we're not talking about the law no more. We're not talking about the prophets. We're talking about the kingdom. 
So he said, the Lord and the prophet were to John since that time. Now from here, we're going to go to the, the gospel of St. Luke chapter 24, verse 44. Since that time, the kingdom of God is preached. Not going to be. The kingdom of God is preached. Present tense. Say the kingdom of God, the kingdom of God is preached. And every man presses into it. So that's how you're able to understand and rightly divide the word. You have to know what tense things are in. Now, let's go to the New Testament. See, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John is not in the New Testament. So let's go to the New Testament. And let's look at a verse in the New... Well, let's look at this first. Luke 24, 44. We see a New Testament. And then we're going to go and show you a word in 2 Corinthians 5, 19. 2 Corinthians 5, 19. It says, And he said to them, that this is after he rose from the dead, he said to them, These are the words which I spake to you, watch this, while I was yet with you. Remember, that was in the flesh. So he's told him, he said, Now I'm telling you what I said while I was yet with you, while I was in the flesh, that all things must be fulfilled. This is what I told you. I told you that all things must be fulfilled. Now, how many know what a definition of the word fulfilled means? Finished? Complete? Put an end to, right? So, this is what I told you while I was yet with you. So, all things could be fulfilled. All things could be finished. All things could be complete. All things could, I couldn't have put an end to all things. All natural things. Because <clears throat> once Christ came, everything became spiritual. That's why you have to have faith. Then he said in that same verse, Luke 24, 44, all things be fulfilled. And then he's going to tell you what things there were, things which were written. You notice he said were. Everybody follow me? Which were written. He's going to tell you what they were written. Number one in the law of Moses. He said were written. Because Moses' scripture has been fulfilled. Which were written in the law of Moses, number one, and number two, and in the prophets. Which were written in the prophets. Which were written in the Psalms. Because all that's past tense now. That were written in the Psalms. Concerning me. Now once they believed that all these things that were written was about one man, watch what he's going to do for them. Then, somebody said then. See, once they believed that all things were written about him. So when I get my Bible and I get to Genesis and I start talking about Noah, that's about him. And I go down and look at all these people, it's about him. I must find out what was it about. Noah is a type and shadow of Jesus Christ and his plan of salvation. So I have to understand that Noah had to build an ark. Christ came, he had to build a church. So I'd have to know the ark that, that Noah built was the same as the ark revelation is fulfillment of the ark Christ built. Christ built, Noah built the ark Christ built up on this rock, I'll build my church. And then we know that a tremendous tribulation came once Noah built the ark. So when Christ built his church, the church of God, a tremendous persecution came. Acts chapter 8 says, since was the foundation of the world. No greater tribulation had it been in Acts chapter 8. 
And we know that few were saved. Because there were few saved during the days of Noah. So they had to be saved. And the way they had to be saved, they had to get an ark. The way they had to be saved, they had, we, when Christ came, when Christ built his church, the only way they could be saved was get in the church. Well, now it's not enough just to get in the, get in the church. You got to get in Christ. Because when Jesus came, he built a church so everybody was a part of the church was saved. Because Jesus said, upon this rock, I build my church. And the gates of hell should not prevail against it. But after, when Paul came, now he says, everybody got to get in Christ. When Jesus came, he said, everybody got to get in the kingdom. Well, now the revelation of that is Christ. So once you're in Christ, now you're in the kingdom. That's why you hear people tell you about water baptism, that they can baptize you in water and put you in the church. Yeah, that you can locally. Somebody said locally. Because you can baptize a man in water locally and put him in the church, but he's only going to be at your church. If he ever leave your church, he's not going to be in, in the church no more. Because that's what water baptism purpose was, to make you a member of a local church. So they try to take that same principle and put people in Christ. You can't put nobody in Christ. Only one can put you in Christ, that's the Holy Ghost. Look at 1 Corinthians 12, 13. Only the Holy Ghost can put you in Christ. Christ is the kingdom. Christ is God. So it takes, it takes the Holy Ghost to put you in Christ. 1 Corinthians 12, 13 told you that. For by one spirit are we all baptized. The word baptized means put into. For by one spirit are we all put into, baptized into one body. See, that's the body of Christ. Whether we be Jews or Gentiles, whether we be born or free, and have all been made to drink into one spirit. So Christ is spirit. So it takes the Holy Spirit to put you in the church, to put you in the body of Christ. No man can do that. So this morning we talk about what is the exceeding great of his power because we're going to show you what God did with his mighty power. And he's talking about when he raised Christ from the dead, set him at his own right hand in the heavenly places. In the heavenly places is where he set Christ. Now, now we want to go back and begin to look at some other things. So let's go to, we talk about this morning in one, John, uh, Luke 1, 14. I'm not going back to that, Luke 1, 14. When Jesus was baptized, go back to Luke 1, 1 and 1, Luke, Luke 4 and 1, and Luke 4 and 14. Just those two verses. I'm not going to read all that in between. In the Gospel of St. Luke chapter 4 and verse 1, we're going to see that Jesus Christ was full, was filled with the Holy Spirit. The Bible says, Jesus, being full of the Holy Ghost, returned to Jordan and was led of the Spirit by the Spirit into the wilderness. Now, that's something now. Here he is full of the Holy Ghost, and the first thing the Holy Ghost is going to do is lead him into the wilderness. But he led him there to be tempted of the devil. Now, after the temptation was complete, verse 14 says, Jesus now returned. He returned in the power of the Spirit. And I said to you this morning, what is the power of the Spirit? See, it's not just the Spirit, but what is the power of the Spirit? If you had your uh, 
microwave on or you had your stove on and I asked you, where did the power come from? How are you powering this thing? You have to understand that the stove is not the power. It's what the stove is plugged into. So you got to understand that you got to know what is your power, your power source. So here we're going to know Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit, verse 14, Luke 4, 14. He returned in the power of the Spirit into Galilee, and there went out frame of him throughout all the region around about. And the Bible says he began to teach them in their synagogues. So now his ministry began to teach in verse 15. He began to teach them in verse 15. Okay, now, now let's begin to show you what, what it's all is about. If he's now beginning to teach, he didn't start his ministry until he had already received power. Now let's go to Acts chapter 1 and verse 8. Here's Jesus after he rose from the dead. And now here come some people that was in his ministry or follow his ministry. They don't want the Lord to leave. But he's going to tell them that he's going to give them something. Now, I'm, I'm giving you things where I'm going. That's all I can do. You have to write them down and take me there, right? I'm also, I'm going to also go to, uh, I'm going to Acts 1-8 now. Then I, I'll tell you in a minute. But you shall receive power. Now, these men was asking the Lord about the kingdom. But Jesus told them, but you shall receive power. And he told them when it's going to happen. But most people think when the Holy Ghost come upon them, they have received power. I'm the man in your life that God used to make sure you get the power. You know the guy, you know the guy that you just, hey, I'm the one making sure you get the power. So when you go sit down in the church and be a part of a ministry, that preacher that's in the pulpit is responsible for you to get the power. So when you sit down under somebody who don't know the word, you can't get the power. You will never be greater than the person who teach you. I'm talking to my, my, my athletes here. I got a couple wrestlers who we'll be seeing soon on the television. But the man who teach you is demonstrating where you're going. Jesus said it this way, you will be never, not greater than your teacher. But ask your teacher. So when you want to know the word, you need to sit on somebody like Pastor Crump who know the word. I'm not, I'm not ashamed to talk about my own self. Now, I'm saying that because I know what I'm saying. You want a degree? You need to sit on somebody who can help you get your degree. Not just pass the class. Pass the class, you're not qualified to be in the surgery room just because you passed the test. That's what took me so long to accept what they want to do in my life when they said they want to give me surgery. Now, I talk about this a little bit because this is that month, you know, last year, this month. So I couldn't just accept that. I had to find somebody who could convince me that they knew what they were doing. See, I didn't have no time for no amateur, nobody practicing, nobody put an IV in and say, oops, I, I do it, let me, I, I, let me do that, oops, oh, oh, no, no, ain't no more oops, ain't no oops. 
you getting ready to do open heart surgery, can't be no oop. Uh uh uh. This man said to me, he said, I've been doing this longer than you've been pastoring. And he, he was older than I was. Dr. Shannon, I don't mind about saying his name. William Beaumont Hospital. And this man said to me, he says, I have a team work with me. I'm the man who do this in this hospital. And I have a team of professionals who work with me. And pastor, you will get the best service. You will get the best, I'm telling you, this is what he said to me, because he had to convince me that he was the man. As a matter of fact, I tried to make him mad to see was he the man. (laughs) Really, I did. I told my wife, I said, yeah, that's the man. Because after I started talking to him, he said, look, I know what I'm doing. I said, that's how I know you're the man. I said, yeah, you know what you're doing. He said, you know what? I'm going to have your kind of music playing in the background. Sympathy, because this is professionally done. And I, I, he says, and I, everything I'm doing, I'm letting you know ahead of time. Is there any questions? I said, no. He said, are you ready? I shook his hand. I says, you the man going to do my surgery. He said, when you're ready. He said, I'll tell you what we'll do. We'll do some tests today on Saturday, we'll test today on Monday, Tuesday morning. We'll be in the operation room at 8 o'clock. Are you ready for it? I shook his hand. I said, let's go. Let's go to work. But let me tell you something. For you to go and lay down on the table and let somebody do this to you, you better know they know what they're doing. Or you better know the Lord. Both. Both. So all I'm saying is, it's no different than you coming here. I'm giving you the word for your life. This is not a game. If what I teach you will be in you and your children forever. As a matter of fact, what I'm teaching you, you live by it. So what if I'm wrong? I'm telling you the power of God. I'm going to show you what the power is. And I'm going to show you when things in your life that you cannot accomplish is because you do not have enough power. But... You can keep coming. You can get it right here. You can get the power right here. The Lord is the only one that can make sure you have the power, but he's going to give it through the word that I'm giving you. Now, I gave you some verses of scripture. I'm keep giving them to you. I'm going to give you another, Romans 16, 25. I don't know what I'm giving you. I'm just giving to you as I hear them. So you have to give them back to me because I don't know what I gave you. Anybody know what I gave you? 2 Corinthians 5 what? 19. That's the first. Let's go there. What, what, what was next? I didn't finish Acts 1-8, did I? If not, I'm going to go back to it because I need to finish that. Okay, now watch what it says in, in 2 Corinthians 5, 19. To wit that God was in Christ... Where was God? He was. You you have to hear what he's trying to tell you. God was. Remember I told you the the, the was? See, if you deal with the Hebrews, faith is. 
So you have to understand, when it comes down to God, God was. Position was in Christ. But where's Christ now? Some of y'all still don't know. Out of all these years you've been saying, you don't know what the Lord is. Maybe that's why you're not getting no prayer answer. If you're looking for the Lord, he's in the holy place. You don't know you're the holy place? As a matter of fact, if you are his body, then where is he now? He's in his body. He's not in a building. He's in you. I know he's here. I know he's in me. See, once you know where he is, you can quote scriptures like, I can do all things through Christ, which what? He's strengthening me because he's right here. You got to know where the Lord is. Bump somebody and say, you got to know where the Lord is. Man, you got if you don't live in this world, don't know what God is. All right. Now, let's go to these things that I gave you, okay? First, we're going to go to the witness that God was in Christ. Reconciled the world to himself. That's what, when he came to do his work. He was in Christ. He reconciled the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses under them, and has now committed unto us, Paul said, a word of reconciliation. Now, let's go and look at 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Let me give you... Let me give you that before we go on else. Now, I need them other verses when I get there. Now, I gave them to you. 1 Corinthians chapter number 3. And we're going to look at verse number 16. See, what, one of the greatest things that, that I didn't know, when I hear people always talk about Moses, and they say, you know, Moses, God met Moses in the burning bush. Praise God. Hallelujah. So I'm always thinking, like, if I'm going to meet God, I'm going to need to go over to Israel. I'm going to go to the promised land over there somewhere and go back to that mountain. How many know God is not at that mountain? Some of y'all still are like, I don't really know, so I'm not going to sit on I don't really know. You don't know what God is once again? See, whole bottom line is I'm trying to show you God was not left there. God went with Moses. How do you think Moses would ever do everything he did? God was with him every day. Don't you know if God would not with Moses, he wouldn't stand before Pharaoh, Pharaoh would have killed him? All right. Remember I gave you that last week? Remember he told Moses, surely I will be with you. So wherever you met God at, he's not there. He in you now. Watch what he said. No, you're not. That you are the temple of God. Do you know that? That's what, that's what maybe you want to sometime run and jump off the off the temple, off the pinnacle. <laughs> Let me say it again. Do you know that you are the temple of God? Thank you. Praise the Lord. Do you know that the Spirit of God lives in you? You do know that? He's not somewhere over there? So that means when you came here, he came with you. Right? When you leave, he's going to He's going to lead with you, right? You don't have to come up here to see the Lord. We come together, we worship the Lord, but we worship the God who's more than enough. And he's everywhere at the same time. See, God is in us, and he's also in you, and he's in everybody who belongs to God at the same time. 
Your natural mind can't figure that out, so you have to believe it. Okay. Now, what else we had next? Go back to Acts 1.8. Okay, we'll get away with that one. But I need that new scripture after that, because I gave you three different things. Huh? Romans 16.25. Anybody got anything else? Y'all got all them pretty pencils and papers out there, and y'all writing something down. And then I actually be like, here we go. Rome, watch this. Acts 1 8 say you shall receive what? We're we, we not going there yet. We're going to do Acts 1 8 first. Then we go to Rome, whichever one you got. But you shall, watch this. Watch what he said. You shall receive what? Power when? Now, why? Don't, don't have to answer, but I'm going to give you the why. See, if you shall receive power, I'm, I'm using that verse to show you that the Holy Ghost is God's power. It's true. But also God's word is God's power. Here, you're going to receive power, God's word, after the Holy Ghost has come upon you. Do you hear what I'm saying? Once you get the Holy Ghost, what is the Holy Ghost supposed to do? Supposed to give you, supposed to give you power. Let me hurry up and show you this where I can, where I can so I won't faint. Okay, I don't want to faint. All right. Let's go to Ephesians 6, 17. I want you to know that. I want you to know so bad. That's my thing. I want you, because this is not a game. Listen, when the enemy gets through kicking your behind, you're going to find out this. This ain't no game, so I'm trying to tell you, help you out. I'm telling you right now, he doesn't care anything about nothing. But that word. You got that word, you can handle it. Take the helmet of salvation, comma, and take, see you have to keep that word take because that's your adjective. Take the helmet of salvation and take the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. So what is the power? Right, and, the, and, and it's the word of God. And the word of God is the sword. Somebody says sword. Right. Right, not sword, because you're from Mississippi, you say you're sword. That's what they taught me, it's a sword. And I got missing to my sword, and people are like, what's a sword? It's a sword. <laughs> That's my sister from up north there. Take the heaven of salvation and the sword of the spirit. Now watch this. If you don't give your spirit the sword, your spirit don't have the sword. That's why in David's ministry, David killed Goliath with what? Anybody remember? You should have got this on the other side. I need to take the other side, bring the other side, change, change the audience, take the audience on the other side, bring the other side over here. But God gave David Goliath's what? Some of y'all still ain't read the book of David. It's right down the storehouse. So what? Goliath had a sword. David killed him and took his sword and cut his head off. Then they took the sword of David and they put it up in the priest's house. Laid it up. When David was running for his life, they found out that David needed something. And they took the sword that he killed Goliath with and gave it to David to carry it every day. He wasn't big enough 
I don't think they carried earlier, but he ended up with that sword while he was in leading his army. He had the sword of Goliath. And that sword of Goliath name had to change. It couldn't remain the sword of Goliath. It had to become the sword of David. So you're going to have to take the word of God and use it into your own spirit. Ain't that right? So it's going to have to be the sword of Gideon. No, can't use that. The sword of David. No, it's going to be the sword of Earl Crump. I got to take the sword of the spirit and make it my own sword. See, the word of God must become yours. It must become a part of you until you feed your spirit the word of God so when the enemy begin to come against you, your spirit can use the word to quench the fiery dots of the enemy. Everybody understand it? That's why the Bible means, just clap your hand, that's okay, that's good. Amen, you don't have to, Papa, Papa, this is okay. You really can clap your hands in here. All right, now, you have to understand, the Bible told you to take the sword of the Spirit. Say it with me. Take the sword of the Spirit. Now, he told you the sword of the Spirit is, is what? It's the Word of God. Right. Now, let's go to Hebrews 4.12. Paul wrote these things about the sword of the Spirit because he realized in 2 Corinthians 10.4, we went on this morning, that the weapons of your warfare are not carnal. Right? They are mighty through God to the pulling down the stronghold, casting down imagination, every high thing to exalt itself against the knowledge of God, and bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ, and having a readiness to revenge all disobedience when your obedience has been fulfilled. You need to know that word. That's how you have to. When the enemy attacks you, a lot of time will be in your sleep. Galatians five seventeen. After this, he said, "The lust of the spirit." Watch this. The word of God is quick. He told you the power of the word. The word of God is quick. Number two is powerful. Now that word quick don't mean fast. It means alive. The word of God is alive. It quickens. The word of God is quick. It's alive. It's powerful. The word of God is sharper than any two-edged sword. See, he's looking at the Romans. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. This is what the word of God would do in your life when you get it. I'm going to show you this is how you were saved. The word of God piercing even to the dividing, even to the dividing asunder of the soul and the spirit and joints and the marrows and is a discerner, the word of God now, the word discerner means to know all things. The, the Lord knows all things, even the thoughts and intents of your heart. He knows it because of the word that's in you. Anybody got that? So the Bible said God looking out the outward appearance, God looks at the heart. Well, that's why God wants you in your heart because that's where God work at. He work in your heart. So you give the word, when you give the spirit the word, you give him the power. Romans 1.16, go to verse 15. Romans 1.16, here we go. Thank you up there. That, let's get that first. Now, all flesh will walk against you because you got the word. Even your flesh. Any flesh. Anybody that flush it will work against you because you have the word. Amen. You got to understand this. 
The flesh lusteth against the spirit. And then the spirit against the flesh, these are contrary one to the other. Otherwise, these are total opposites. Total opposite. They work against one another. The flesh not going to help you, and the flesh not going to do nothing. That's why when you get up in the morning time running, trying to find your shoes, anybody see my shoe? Anybody see my, I'm talking about the brown one. Now, anybody see my shoe? Look at somebody say, you got to get dressed at night now. You got to start laying your stuff out. You got to start laying your stuff out. You had your stuff already laid out at night. If you think you're going to get up in the morning time and go into church too, and everything going to work for you, you're going to tear something. Just bought them sockets. They're already running. Flesh. You can pass by the refrigerator and pull something. Oh, my God. What time is it? See, you got to get ready. Look at somebody say, you got to start getting ready at night. You got to already have your stuff set out. Everything ready for in the morning. Because if you don't start dressing that way, you get up in the morning looking for that stuff, you can't find that stuff. I know I put that over there. Who been in my closet anyway? Every time somebody moves something, I can't find nothing around here. And you know what happened? Then you want to get disgusted, so you, the next thing, I ain't going to church. So y'all just go head on. Don't be fussing at me. Don't be talking back to me. Now there go an argument. Because you can't find your shoe. So that's why you have to understand that the flesh lusts against the spirit, the spirit against the flesh. These are contrary one to the other. So that you cannot, so you cannot put it on the screen. So you cannot do the thing that you would. So that you cannot do the thing that you would. So whatever thing you're trying to do, the flesh is there to stop that. That's what you got to understand. Flesh is not going to help you do nothing. Zero. He's in total opposition to you. All right? Now, the word of God is the power. Paul, God told us that. Romans 1.15. Let's do verse 15. So when Paul told the church, at Rome, that I'm ready to preach the gospel to you in verse number 15. So much as in me, I'm ready to preach the gospel to you that are at Rome also. Then he's going to tell you the, the, the gospel. you gotta, you got to come to a place where your, 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 your love, your respect, your, everything in you for the word. See, to, the, the, word, the word faith really has different meaning, but it has to do with how much credit you give the word. See, that's one thing you thought I was talking about, trust in the word or faith in the word. How much confidence you got in the word? See, that's why you shouldn't talk about water baptism, because whatever you exalt, that's what you got confidence in. And when it comes down to salvation, you sure don't want to have your faith in the water. You get drowned in the water. All right, they had a, somebody sent me, I think my daughter Renee, sent me a thing on, on, online, just a little laugh thing, you know, and it had this guy baptized, he thought you could say about water baptism, so he was baptizing this person, and he did it for Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. Did anybody see that? Who saw it? You saw it? He shot him down once, in the name of the Father, in the name of the Son, in the name of the Holy That guy got up like... <laughs> 
<laughs> when you don't know. <laughs> when you don't know, it's just like my job is to get you saved, brother, the name. All right. So in Romans 1, 16, Paul 15 says, so much as in me, I'm ready to preach the gospel to them that are in Rome. Then he's going to tell you what the gospel was. For I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. Now, he didn't just say the gospel, but he told you what gospel. See, if I was in the days of, of, of Peter, James, and John under Jesus' ministry, that was the gospel of the kingdom. Let me show it to you. That was, uh, we come right back here. Let's go to the gospel of Matthew, St. Matthew 4.23. Matthew 4.23. So you have to understand that there was a gospel of the kingdom, and then there was a gospel of Christ. The gospel of the kingdom is who Christ is. The gospel of Christ is his death, death, and resurrection. Remember people used to tell us, all you have to do is just believe Jesus the Christ, the Son of God, you're saved. Well, that was not right. You're saved because you believe in his death, death, and resurrection. Amen. See, that's the difference in the two gospels. So watch this, Acts 4.23, this is what Jesus preached. Jesus went about all Galilee, teaching in their synagogue, preaching the gospel of the kingdom. Can you see? He was preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing all manner of sickness and all manner of diseases. Let's go to Acts 20, and let's start up verse number, I want to go up to about 14. Acts chapter 20, let me find it. In, in the book of Acts chapter number 20. Remember the Apostle Paul. We're going to start reading verse number. I don't want to go way back to verse 17, but uh, verse number 22. Yeah, Acts 14, 22. I'm sorry, 20, 22. From the book of Acts chapter 20 and verse 22. Here's the Apostle Paul in the book of Acts. Okay, are you there yet? In verse number 22. And now behold, I go bound in the spirit to Jerusalem, not knowing the thing that shall befall me there. Don't know what to expect. Say that the Holy Ghost witnessed to every city, saying that bonds and affliction abide me. But watch what they're going to say. But none of these things move me, neither count I my life dear to myself. Here we go. That I may finish my course with joy. Remember, and you get to Timothy, he's going to say, I have fought a good fight, I have finished my course. That I may finish my course with joy. That I may do what? Finish my course with joy. Watch what he's going to say. And the ministry, which I have received of the Lord. Remember, Watch what ministry received of the Lord. To testify the gospel of the grace of God. That, that was, that's what he had received. He had received the ministry from the Lord. And it was to testify of the gospel of the grace of God. All right? Now, that's the gospel that Paul preached. Romans 16, 25. That was our next verse. In the book of Romans, chapter 16, and verse 25. When you get there, say amen. Now to him that's of power. We're talking about power again. And then I'm going to show you in, 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 in uh, Luke 10, 17. That's where we're going to go next. Luke 10, 17. 
Now to him that's of power. Somebody said power. Now to him that's of power to establish you. All right. So the gospel of Christ is the power of God. I just read that in Romans 1.16. Did I not? I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. It's the power of God on the salvation which I did not finish. Right. We're going to go back there in a moment. But the gospel of Christ is of power. Now to him that's of power. We're talking about the gospel of Christ. To establish you. So what if you're not getting taught the gospel of Christ? You'll never be established. You're always going to be moving about. Because you're not listening to the word of God that can establish you. And then it says, and the preaching of the gospel of Jesus Christ, but it's according to the revelation of the mystery. It's not the, it's not the gospel of the kingdom. It's the preaching of Jesus Christ according to the revelation of the mystery, which was kept secret, watch this, since the world began. So the gospel you have was kept secret. The, the Jews would not preach the gospel of Christ. The gospel of Christ was preached to the Gentiles. Amen. All right, now let's show you that Romans 1.16 because I did not finish. And Romans 1.16 says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. Remember that's what I told you earlier? It's the power of God. Watch this. On the salvation with the power of God to save you. Amen. Everyone that believed. The Jew first and also to the Greek. Now, let me show you what it means by that. Let's go to Deuteronomy. I'm just really getting my message, huh? Let's go to Deuteronomy, chapter 4, verse 30 through 38. I'm going to give you a couple of Old Testament. Then I'm going to go to Judges 13, 1 through 5. You need to write these down. Deuteronomy 4, 30 through 38. Then we're going to go to Judges 13, 1 through 5. Then we're going to go to Judges 16, 1 through 5, and then 16 through 19. The, then we're going to go to 1 Thessalonians 2, 13. See, can we cover that much? I'll just begin to my mess if I do that. I got so much I got to show you. I want you to know this word, man. Watch, watch what it says in... What am I reading? Deuteronomy 4, what? Deuteronomy 4, 30 through 38. Deuteronomy chapter 4 and verse 30 through verse number 38. When thou art in tribulation. Now watch what he's going to say to them. He's telling them when you are in tribulation. Now, when were they in tribulation? Watch this. Look at Acts chapter 8. He's telling them in Deuteronomy chapter 4, remember Deuteronomy is prophecy to the children. That's why you had the first book was to the, the book of before Deuteronomy was to the fathers. Anybody know the book before Deuteronomy? I'm just trying to see do you know the books at all. I'm just trying to see what I'm working with. What was for Deuteronomy? And what were for numbers? See, some of y'all, some of y'all need to go on the other side. I'm going to bring the other side over here. Do you know, do you know, those children over there right now, and, and they are, that's, for Sunday, like, like we have 
I have Minister Hayes doing something for me because I have to explain something to the ministry and I want him to do it. Okay. Now, just doing what the Lord told me. But because I want to make sure everybody in this church know what we're doing. We got people over that place over there right now don't come to this church. And they come here on four Sunday just for youth and bring their kids. In that teaching, they're going to get the day. They not only know the books of the Bible when they leave out of there, they know the alphabetical order of all presidents. Don't shout me down, because I know y'all know all that stuff over here too. <laughs> and then they can tell you every state in the union. I know y'all know all this stuff. I'm not talking about y'all, I'm talking about they know all this stuff. So that's why on the other side, we make sure all the children know all the books of the Bible code. When you come over here when you're 13 years old, you're ready to serve. And to serve, you go back on that thing. I'm talking to you. I'm going to take you probably through Genesis and Revelation for one service. And if you don't know the books of the Bible, you turn around like, what? Where's, where's, where's? You got you to take care of business over here. Do everybody understand what you're doing? We're raising up children to reign in this earth realm. There ain't no game. They, they have classes over there, but they also have a youth or youth day today. The day on fourth Sunday is just a youth day for youth. We make sure they got everything they need. They eat good. They eat good over there. I know sometimes y'all go with y'all children, y'all be I know you do. But it's, we take care of our children. Feed them every Sunday. Everything. Amen. We want them to have the best of everything. So they want to come. You understand? Yeah. All right. Now, here we go. I got 10 minutes. Got to get to work. When you are in tribulation, that's Deuteronomy chapter, Deuteronomy chapter 430, but he's talking to them in Acts chapter 8 because that's the only time they was in tribulation. When you're in tribulation and all these things that come upon you came upon them in tribulation. Even in the latter days. See, I was Acts chapter 8 with the apostle Paul. If you turn to the Lord your God, he's telling them already, if you turn to the Lord your God and you be obedient, because they were still in the law, under his, under his covenant, I'm sorry, what verse I just read? Under his voice, and then verse 31, for the Lord thy God is a merciful God. He will not forget, he will not forget you, neither destroy you, nor forget the covenant of your fathers, which he sweared unto them. Then he said, Acts, now are the days that I pass, which were before you, since the day that God created man upon the earth. Ask anybody. Ask from the one side of the heaven to the other, whether he has, well, there has been any such thing as great thing as it has been like this. That ever a people heard the voice of God speaking out of the midst of fire as thou hast heard and lived. They the only people who heard God speak. Or has God assayed to go and take him a nation from the midst of another nation by temptations and signs and wonders and war and mighty hand and by a stressed out arm 
and by a great terror according to all that the Lord God did for you in, the, in Egypt before he, your eyes. He did all this and let you see it. On the thee it was showed that thou might know that the Lord, he is God, and none else beside him. That's what God wants them to know. Out of heaven he made you to hear his voice, that he might instruct thee. And upon the earth he showed you his great fire. That's the fire that was behind them when they got to the Red Sea. And this man, now you know all, you know all of this by heart, right? The God of Israel is a terrible general. That's what Pharaoh said while he was on his horse. He left them no escape. Thy chariots, O Israel. And all of a sudden, God's, God's, I was in front of him, right? God, God took that personally. A, general, a bad general, they not cover from behind. God stood behind Israel all night in fire. You didn't see that? It's in your Bible. A pillar of fire. Pharaoh ran up against it. No great one. You can't destroy this God. This God put fire in front of us. And he's opened up the Red Sea. Let's get away from this great God, Pharaoh. Pharaoh ain't learned yet. He had to die. I know they showed you Pharaoh's on the other end over there looking down. Drop his head. No. Check the book out. Pharaoh and his army. We got drowned in the Red Sea that day. All right, here we go. Verse number 32. That's the one, only one I'm going to use. Acts, now of the days that are past and which are here since the day that God created man upon the earth. Acts, from one end of heaven to the other, whether there has been any such things as a great thing this is, that God has heard that you've heard like, I mean, God spoke to them people like a man. Out of heaven. Just like he did Moses. Let's move on, because that's not what I am. Let's go to Judges 13, 1 through 5. But in verse 37, he said, And because he loved thy fathers, therefore he chose their seed after them, and brought thee out of his sight with his mighty power. So God brought Israel out of Egypt. How? With his mighty power. What I read to you was Deuteronomy 4.30. In case you want to know where I am. All right. Now let's go to uh, Judges chapter 13. Now, Judges chapter 13 is about a lot of judges, but here's one of the judges, which was Samson. Now, Samson judged Israel, but the judge had the, with a type of Christ... So they had to fight for Israel. If you were the judge, you had to protect the people. So here's Samson. And verse number, verse number one says, And the children of Israel did evil again in the sight of the Lord, and the Lord delivered them into the hands of the Philistine forty years. Forty years. Let's go down to verse number five, because I don't have time to read all this. For lo, thou shalt conceive. Now God's going to come, up, come to uh, this woman who's going to bring forth Samson. This is what he's going to tell her. Verse five. For lo, thou shalt conceive and bear a son, and, shall, and, and no razor shall come upon his head, and the child shall be a Nazarite unto God from his womb, and he shall begin to deliver Israel out of the hand of the Philistine. Now, this is God's deliverer. He's a type and shadow of Jesus Christ himself. 
But watch what the enemy, remember, go to chapter 16. For Judges, Judges 16, Judges 16, 16. Because I'm not going to be able to read all that. Judges 16, 16. Well, let's start verse 5. Let's look at verse 5, then we go to 16. Go back to verse 5, then 16. Just one verse. Okay, here we go. And the lords of the Philistine came up to Delilah and said to Delilah, entice him and see where in his great strength lies. What did they want to know? Where does this man get his strength from? Remember, he had taken a, a jawbone of a, a donkey and killed a thousand people. We can't stop this guy. I mean, he had just taken the, the wall. They had him, that's the type of the cross down there, what, in verse number three. Back at the verse three, let me show them something. One verse, verse number three. He says, and Samson late to midnight, he arose at midnight, took the doors of the gate of the city. Now here they are, got, got all these gates across the city, and they got him pinned in that he can't get away. So at midnight, Samson rose oh, and took all the whole gate. Nothing could stop him. It's, the Bible says, and he laid at midnight, he arose at midnight, took the doors of the gate of the city, and the two posts, I won't know if anybody know what this is, and the two posts, and went away with them, here we go, bars and all, and put them upon his shoulders, and carried them up to the top of a hill at Calvary, I'm sorry, uh, that's called Hebron. I'd give you a clue for you to know what I'm talking about, look at me now. Jesus on the cross, right? All right, praise the Lord. All right, but they had to find out what great strength at. How's he able to do all this? In verse 16, it came to pass when they pressed her, him daily. This, they, put, they put Delilah on it. Go get him. We're going to give you 1,100 pieces of silver east of the lords of the Philistines. I'm in agreement. It came to pass when she pressed up on him daily with her words, darling, sugar, honey. So that his soul was vexed to death. He told her all his heart and said to her, there has not come a raise up on my head. I have been a Nazarite unto God from my mother's womb. If I be shaven, my strength will leave me and I shall be weak and be like any other man. And Delilah said, now, you ain't lying to me, are you? No, that's the truth this time. Okay. Delilah saw that he told her all his heart. She sent and called Samson. I mean, she called for the laws of the Philistines. She said, come up, come up at this once. He showed me all his heart. Then the laws of the Philistines came up under her and brought money in her hand. And she made him sleep upon her knees. Oh, my God, you should have took yourself home. He made him sleep upon his knees. She called for a man. Caused him to shave off Samson locks of, her, of his head. And, he be, and she began to afflict him. And the Bible said his strength went from him. How many know what happened? Once, that, once his hair was cut off, his strength went from him. What happened? Yeah, I know, but what, how you explain it to somebody? What happened to him? If you go through the whole Old Testament, every time Israel did not obey God, 
It was called the word Ichabod. What is the word Ichabod? The glory of God departed. So you got to understand something. You want to operate in the power of God, you have to understand that you have a new covenant. You just can't do what you want to do. The flesh of us against the spirit, the spirit against the flesh. These are contrary one to others. So you cannot do the thing that you want. See, the enemy tried to get you to walk in the flesh. You don't, you, if you walk in the flesh, you can't operate in the spirit. Do you understand that? You can't do nothing out of the flesh. You got to walk in the spirit. Sometimes, because sometimes, if you walk in the flesh, you're going to grieve the spirit. So what the enemy tried to get you to do is, is, is walk in disobedience. Do things opposite what the pastor asked you to do. And then you try to walk in the spirit, try to use the power, but it ain't working. So you got to understand something. This is, why, this is why the anointing is so important. Let me give you one verse. Look at Luke 16, 16. I thought I was going to finish this today, but evidently I'm not. Look at Luke 16, 16. I'm sorry, Luke 10. I don't want Luke 16. Luke 16. I want Luke 10. 10, 17, right? Look at Luke 10, 17. Watch what happens. In the Gospel of St. Luke, chapter number 10, and verse number 17. Now, here's Jesus' disciples. Watch what he's going to do to get them to go on. Somebody said the anointing. Yeah. Say it loud, the anointing. the anointing. How many ever felt the anointing on their life? Yeah. You got to know what you that's the Holy Spirit. And the anointing always comes upon you for assignment. The anointing comes upon you to really deaden your flesh so you can serve God. And the 70 return again with joy, saying, Lord, even the devils of subject to us through your name. And he said to them, I beheld Satan as lightning. I beheld Satan as lightning fall from the earth. I beheld Satan as lightning fall from the earth. Watch what he says in verse 19. Behold, I give you power. Behold, I give you power. Say it again. Behold, I give you power to do what? Nobody else understands. I've been doing it for three minutes. Behold, I give you power. I give you power. What I give you power to do? To tread on serpents. Those are, not, those are not just little snakes on the ground. Those are demon spirits. I give you power to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. And watch what he's telling you. Because you have this power, Nothing shall by any means hurt you. So these guys will give him power. In the next verse, in the next verse, he's going to tell them, uh, don't rejoice. Don't, re don't rejoice because you have power to tread on serpents and scorpions over all the power of the devil. Don't rejoice in that. Rejoice that the spirits. So you got power. You have power over all spirits. Over all flesh. Over all flesh. I'm going to show you that in, in Luke 17. You, God has to give you power over flesh. But you first got to have power over your flesh. Thank you. You got three minutes. Watch what it says. Watch what it says. Give me that again. Give me that again. He give you power. 
Don't rejoice because the spirits are subject to you. But rejoice because your names are written in heaven. Your names are written in heaven. That's old covenant. So don't be running around here about writing my name. He ain't writing your name in, in heaven. Go, go to John 17. If you're in Christ, you're in heavenly places already. When you have received the Holy Spirit, you have received the heavenly. I gave you that last week. Get, get those things. Go to John 17, 1. Quickly. John 17, 1. These words spake Jesus, lift up their eyes to heaven, and say, Father, the hours come, glorify thy Son, that thy Son also may glorify thee. As thou hast given him power. See, that said, that said over all spirits, but he gave you power over all flesh. So when you got power by the Holy Ghost, you got power over all flesh. That's why when you preach the gospel, you got to know that you are contending with flesh. A person's flesh do not want to see them saved. So you're going to have to operate in the power of the gospel of Christ because it's the power of God and the salvation. It's the power over all flesh. That's why he was able to give eternal life to as many as thou has given because he had power over all flesh. The gospel, the power of God is the power over all flesh. Clap your hand. My time is over. Come on, clap. Thank you for listening to the Dora Faith Ministries podcast. I hope this message was a blessing to you and we look forward to seeing you on the next episode. If you're listening on iTunes, be sure to give us a five-star rating. Also, be sure to find us online at www.mydoorfaith.org. That's www.mydoorfaith.org.